Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at DocWashburnShow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us, contact at DocWashburnShow.com. This is Episode 62 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Friday, January 7th, 2022. Ted Cruz lied about what happened on January 6th, 2021, a couple of days ago. Tucker Carlson did a great job holding him accountable on Fox last night. But what was left out of their discussion? We'll have more on that later. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, now, before we get to today's guest, let me just remind you, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for anywhere close to where you live. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. Now, that includes the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. And they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are in the continental United States. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection... You'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent, so if you want to Buy a car, truck, van, or SUV. Order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. If you have seen Joe Rogan's interview with Robert Malone, uh, you know that Dr. Malone actually invented the technology that is being used in the COVID vaccines. If you haven't seen it yet, I strongly encourage you to. The podcast Dr. Malone did with Joe Rogan tells you the truth about the China virus and the U.S. government's lies. Now, we've seen a lot of, a lot of evidence that hospitals are killing people by refusing to treat them for the Wu flu. The info Dr. Malone shares in the Joe Rogan podcast is a matter of life and death. I watched the whole podcast interview this past weekend, and in it, Dr. Malone mentions his organization, Global covid summit.org a number of doctors associated with dr malone are going to be hosting the latest global covid summit 
tomorrow at Apostolic Church on Landers Road in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, if you're in the Arkansas area, please plan to join us. Tickets are available at globalcovidsummit.org. My guest today is Dr. Amy Beard. She is a functional medicine certified practitioner with the Institute for Functional Medicine. She has uh, She's an MD, got her degree from University of Arkansas College of Medicine, uh, family medicine board certified also, uh, also a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and Dietetics, and a Certificate of Dietetic in- Internship at the University of Arkansas for Health Sciences. Dr. Beard, it's an honor to have you sh- on the show today. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Fantastic. Now, from everything I read about your practice on your website, you have a strong emphasis on focusing on diet and nutrition to try to help keep your patients healthy, to be proactive in that whole area. So how did you wind up on the front lines of the fight over COVID and the vaccines? Well, you're you're right about that. Um, Lifestyle is one of my areas of focus when I approach um, chronic health issues with patients. And um, what I was noticing when all of this started was how few physicians were actually treating COVID. People with COVID were going, um, walking around untreated and not doing very well because of it. And um, my practice was um, it is set up for telemedicine, so it was like this um, kind of perfect opportunity to help where I could. Um, it was pretty, um, I don't know, distressful seeing how few physicians were willing to treat people using proven therapeutics. And there's tons of research behind it, as you know. So I took a step in faith. I did what I felt God wanted me to do. I did so and was able to help many, many, many patients. You know, I have seen recently video of Dr. Anthony Fauci from either 2018 or 2019 talking about how important diet, nutrition, exercise, um, trying to avoid obesity, uh, getting the proper rest, how important all that is to a healthy lifestyle and being proactive against disease, but I haven't seen a word of that from him in the last two years. What, what do you think is going on here? Well, it's probably the same thing you think is going on here. Um, they, th- there is this uh, necessity to keep this, um, you know, pandemic going, and um, and health is certainly not any priority with these people. At least true health. Um, I I can only come to the conclusion that they want people sick. It's um, well, there are hundreds of billions. Of, I'm sorry, what? No, go ahead. I was just saying there are hundreds of billions of dollars at stake for uh, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. Um, and you know we we've we've read in Scripture that the the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just remarkable what's going on, and and unfortunately, uh, too many people aren't aware. Now, now you're in Arkansas. I'm in Arkansas. The majority of people who listen to the podcast are from the rest of the country. So I don't know, you know, how it might be in, in, uh, in Nevada or New Hampshire or Illinois. But one of the things I noticed here in Arkansas was when the governor some months back 
said, okay, well, we're bringing the mask mandate to a close. Um, all of a sudden, I would go to a Kroger grocery store, and instead of 90% of the people wearing masks, 90% of the people weren't wearing masks. And then a few weeks later, oh, my goodness, we got this really scary Delta variant. Everybody better be careful. And all of a sudden, about half the people in the Kroger grocery store were wearing masks again, including in the parking lot, getting in their cars by themselves. And I, I don't know how to get through to folks like this. You know, I've um, I've noticed the same thing, and it's, I feel like I am a foreigner in a, in a in a different land when I venture into Little Rock sometimes. And it's and I've noticed the same thing every time they come out with the next scary variant, everybody gets masked up again. And I think pe- people need to understand that the health experts are anything but the health experts. Um, I'm a physician. I've been to medical school. I understand the curriculum, and very little of it has to do with um, lifestyle interventions and really understanding the root cause of disease. We are taught how to treat symptoms with pills, procedures, injections. And so I think there is a, there is a, under, a misunderstanding of just exactly how physicians are trained. Wow. Well, well, maybe you can get into that a little bit of that for us because I know you were uh, a dietitian before you were a medical doctor and and went to med school in your in your thirties. Um, what is it that people don't understand about how physicians are trained? So physicians are um, most of our curriculum. You know, there's a lot of good things in medical school that we have learned um, about how the body works, or um, and then, but so much of the focus is on using pharmaceuticals and injections and procedures and surgeries to treat symptoms. They give you a diagnosis and then they give you a pill, right? Um, we, we are never taught anything about root causes and mediators of chronic disease. Okay. The GI microbiome was never mentioned in any of my medical school training. The, and yet that is where 75 to 80% of our immune cells lie. The GO system. That's our immune system. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. you the GO no. microbiome, maybe you could explain that to uh, those of us laymen out here who are hearing this term for the first time. Yes. Yeah, so, um, this is an area that is getting much, much deserved attention in recent years. The GI microbiome, it houses all types of bacteria, viruses, fungi and other things that have a huge impact on your immune system and really your overall health. Um, and there's many things that we are doing in our life that is very detri- detrimental to that. Um, but for me, in my practice, I love to focus on it because when I do, my patients start getting better. They start coming off their pills. They start feeling better, more energy. Their chronic itises go away. So we really need to start focusing on this as much as possible. In fact, and it's not that's the one microbiome, the one that resides in our GI tract. We also have microbiomes on our skin, our lungs, our urogenital tracts, even our eyes. And these things are interacting with our immune system all the time to help keep us healthy. Right, right. So... um how about uh, drinking a steady diet of Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper or, <laughs> or, uh, or Pepsi-Cola 
uh, even RC Cola back, back in the day. That's probably not going to be healthy. Probably not. You're just uh, dousing your body with a bunch of sugar that uh, yeast loves, and you'll have yourself a great case of uh, yeast overgrowth in your GI tract, and you will, um, and you'll see some symptoms from that. And a lot of people never make the connections, right? Because their their doctors are never really having these conversations with them, because their doctors don't know know anything about it. We weren't taught this. You know, I've heard anecdotal evidence that um, MDs who, who you know go on to uh, big practices and, and lucrative practices, even people who uh, got their degrees at Vanderbilt or, or Johns Hopkins or, uh, you know, where, wherever, really weren't taught that much about nutrition. No. In, in fact, in medical school, you know, I had, I learned a lot about nutrition. A lot of it was wrong. Um, when I was a dietitian, um, but in medical school, I think we received maybe a total of three hours, and it was just the the bare minimum basics. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Wow. So, 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 so if you're going to your physician wanting nutrition advice, you're not going to get it, or at least any that I would adhere to. Yeah. So. Um, so it comes back down to uh, just uh, uh, give them some more drugs, um, and right. and and make uh, folks at Pfizer happy. Exactly, and the the pills, the pharmaceuticals, and I'm not being anti-pharmaceutical. There are times when I use them in my practice. There's times when I've used them as an ER physician. I was great, and I was very grateful I had access to them. But managing chronic symptoms with pills is only going to get you more chronic symptoms and more pills because it never addresses the root causes of your chronic issues, and everything has a cause. Right. So, so okay, so here's a question. You said you're not against all pharmaceuticals. They have their place. Um, I'm thinking of a couple, maybe of I don't know, hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> ivermectin, um, but but the state medical boards come down on MDs like a ton of bricks, apparently because these things are so inexpensive and they work, right? Right. Yes, it's pretty sad. Wow, wow, wow. Um, you know, I in the interest of full disclosure, um. My 25-year-old son texted me and some of my friends uh, a few months ago, said, hey, y'all pray for me. I've got COVID and haven't had any solid food to eat since Friday, and this was the next Wednesday, and I was alarmed. He's down the Florida Panhandle, so I called in, a pres- uh, I, called in I can't call it a prescription, myself. Doc is just a nickname, but I called my family doctor in Panama City, Florida, who called in a prescription for hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and a steroid. And the CVS Pharmacy in Niceville, Florida, said, well, we'll have to special order the ivermectin. So they didn't give him the rest of it. They slow walked it for almost 24 hours. By the time he got his meds, he was gasping for air. But by the grace of God, he was able to get them down and slowly got better. And, uh, you know, a few weeks later, he was just uh, 100%, just doing fine and back in the gym. Uh, and this is a healthy young 25-year-old man Mm-hmm. who works out on a regular basis and tries to watch his, his diet and everything, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, COVID's a real, it's a real thing. I think we might have almost lost him, but by the grace of God, he took the things 
that help him. Now, we have all this anecdotal evidence, and, and indeed, for our Arkansas listeners, uh, some months back, when our governor went to a um, COVID-19 uh, town hall in Siloam Springs, Arkansas, people were yelling at him, saying mm-hmm. the, the hospitals don't give therapeutics. And he said, well, of course the hospitals are giving therapeutics for COVID. And he turns to a hospital administrator standing there with him and said, isn't that right? And the hospital administrator said, no, not presently, sir. And the governor's like, what was that? As if he didn't hear it, but even though it was loud and clear, um, I had the Surgeon General of the state of Arkansas on the show with me when I used to do local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I asked him if he would please put out a statement urging hospitals and doctors to at least treat people who present with symptoms and test positive for COVID, and his response was, well, I, I, you know, the hospitals in this state are doing a fine job. The doctor's really sharp. I don't think they're sitting around waiting to hear from me. I'm like, you got the bully pulpit. You're the Surgeon General. I mean, you, 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 you run the ER in Russellville, Arkansas. What standard operating procedure? Somebody shows up with COVID. Well, there's no standard operating procedure. Um, you know, we've taken it on a case by case basis, leave it up to the doctors. And then he starts talking about monoclonal antibodies and how wonderful they are for people who qualify. And I didn't catch the for people who qualify until a nurse told me a few days later. Well, unless you're over 65, African American, or have some kind of underlying uh, more comorbidity, you don't qualify. If you're 50 years old, Caucasian, been in good health all your life, but now you're, you know, getting pretty sick with COVID, they're not going to give it to you. I mean, what? I'm I'm sorry, just an avalanche of, of of stuff to talk about here. But what is going on? Your guess is as good as mine. None of it makes sense. Um, I think we have a lot of people who are owned outright by the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. And that's who they work for. They don't work for us. That's for sure. That's one thing I know for sure. They do not work for us. Wow. Um, we're speaking with Dr. Amy Beard, a uh, local physician here in central Arkansas, who's going to be at the Global COVID Summit meeting at the Apostolic Church on uh, Landers Road uh, tomorrow in North Little Rock. If you want to get tickets, they are uh, not expensive at all. And the website is globalcovidsummit.org. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've had people call when I was doing the local talk radio show um, and talk about drugstores that refuse to f- uh, fill a prescription for ivermectin. Um, and I just, and, and we had a fam, we had a family friend who went to a very well-known large hospital in the Little Rock area a few months ago with symptoms, tested positive for COVID. And they said, they said, well, go on home, come back if you get worse. Didn't give her anything. Three or four days later, her daughter had to drive her back to hospitals because she was so worse. And she was told, oh, we're sorry, you missed the three-day window of opportunity uh, for treatment, but we'll go ahead and admit you now. Eventually, they put her on a ventilator, and three weeks later, she was dead. And we see this going on over and over again. And, you know, I'd heard of this thing about the, the something called the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, and has that just been thrown out the window? Apparently so. Um, what we have, I think, are, you know, we have most of our physicians now work for corporate medicine. They do not work for themselves. There are very few private practice doctors left. 
And I think this is, you know, the result, the result of that. Um, the doctors are, you know, for whatever reason, refusing to push back against their corporate masters and doing exactly what they say, no questions asked. And I wish people would grow a backbone um, because if the doctors would have, if we would have all stood up from the very get-go and we saw all the nonsense coming out, we would not have this today. It would be a very different world. But that didn't happen. And as we're having this conversation uh, live at 1221 Eastern, uh, 1121 Central on Friday, January 7th, 2022, I'm watching the the crawl about the um, the news crawl about the the questions being asked uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court in the case in which uh, uh, I think it's the Solicitor General of Ohio is trying to get uh, uh, Biden's OSHA vaccine mandate overturned, and and we're seeing things like Justice Breyer asserting that the OSHA mandate would prevent 100 percent of daily U.S. COVID cases. Um, we're, we're seeing just some ridiculous things. Uh, another associate justice of the Supreme Court said, we know that the best way to prevent spread is for people to get vaccinated. I mean, saying things that just uh, on their face are just not true because we're seeing all these people who are double vaccinated and boosted and getting the, uh, the COVID-19 and, and getting pretty sick in the hospital anyway. Um, this is one of the things that I guess you guys are going to be pushing back against all this misinformation at the global COVID summit uh, in North Little Rock tomorrow. Yes, we're going to try. And many of us have been trying for a long time, but when we do, as you know, you get censored. Yeah. Yeah, you do. It's happened to me several times. It, it, Along with um, complaints to the medical board and hit pieces in the Atlantic and what have you, just comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, do, do you mind uh, sharing with my uh, listeners in, in what ways you've been censored as, as an MD in, in the state of Arkansas? Well, that was more on social media. Um, you know, the Facebook jail sentences and what have you. You can't, you know, comment or do anything for 30 days at a time, which is a big deal for me because I, that's how I, you know, promote my practice and things like that. Yeah. But it was also attacked by other physicians in the state and a lot of slander, um, you know, saying that I was prescribing horse medicine to patients. I was a quack, you know, um, and that's, those are outright lies. These people know better. They know ivermectin is not just for horses. It is in every pharmacy across the country. And Mr. Ed is not walking in there to get it. Humans are. Which reminds me of his most famous line, Wilbur. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) No, I didn't deserve that. You're too kind. I'll be here all week. Come early Friday for the No Smoking Show. But, you know, one of the things that that I've often said when uh, people – resort to just name-calling name or the Latin term ad hominem. Um, ad hominem tends to betray frustration with inability to construct a coherent, persuasive argument. If that's all they got left, then they got nothing. But let me go back to your comment about uh, people calling ivermectin 
horse paste. Now, a few months ago, UAMS, the University of Arkansas Medical System, planted a story with local TV news operations in Little Rock. And for all I know, they might have done it for Northwest Arkansas and the rest of the state too, but definitely in Little Rock, saying how ivermectin is horse paste and how dangerous it is for people to take uh, and how we're you know hearing about overdoses on ivermectin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And three of the four um, local evening news operations in, in Little Rock just accepted it on its face, didn't research it. They're not journalists. Oh, UMS says it, so it must be true. Here, let me report this. To his credit, Bob Clausen, the evening news anchor uh, at, at Channel 4, KRK4 in Little Rock, Arkansas, did not just take it at face value and, and, and was you know resisted just uh, touting the party line. But the other three stations, including his, his sister station, Fox 16, are like, oh, sure, yeah, horse-based, UMS, yeah, sure, let's do that story. Uh, we don't have journalists anymore, and I think that's part of the problem, too, is people want to be in with the in crowd. They don't want to uh, buck the tide, and um, and so we'll, we're told all kinds of lies. Yeah, it's almost like um, they control this entire apparatus, this propaganda machine. Right. <laughs> I mean, how many people are not owned by Big Pharma at this point? Yeah, there's there's a lot of money in it. You know, um, uh, Joe Rogan, one of the biggest podcasters in in America, probably in the world, had Dr. Peter McCullough on uh, a few weeks ago on his podcast, and uh, I think 40 million people have viewed it, but YouTube took it down. And then he had, uh, more recently, Dr. Robert Malone on, and um, fascinating, fascinating interview he did on his podcast with Dr. Malone, I think YouTube took down the original from Joe Rogan's uh, uh, YouTube profile, but other people kept on putting it back up, and that's how I got to see it. Um, but, yeah, there's there's almost, a, well, it's kind of an incestuous relationship. You find out that Reuters, one of the biggest news aggregation agencies in the world, um, the head of Reuters is on the board of Pfizer, um, and there's a lot of money going around. And so, I'm sorry. Uh, a lot of conflicts of interest. Yeah. So, Dr. Amy Beard, what? why is there such an urgency on trying to vaccinate five-year-olds? You know, th- this is um, a question that I think uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, was trying to convey that it has something to do about um, getting these vaccines approved. Once we get them on the schedule, then there's no liability for the pharmaceutical companies. Like this is the missing piece. Right. Right. And perhaps that is one of many reasons. But I mean, five-year-olds are not at risk of dying from COVID. No, not at all. And I always thought that in a Western civilization, um, there was a, a tradition of um, adults making sacrifices for small children, not the other way around. You know, um, how society has fought. I mean, it's just it's amazing, isn't it? I, I've never seen so many scared, fearful adults in my life. Yeah. 
people wearing masks walking down a public sidewalk by themselves, people wearing masks by themselves in their cars. I, I don't understand it. It is, like they say, it's mass psychosis. That's what it is. Mass oh, yeah. formation psychosis. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dr. Malone in, in the podcast with Joe Rogan was talking about mass formation psychosis. Uh, now, you, your background as being a nutritionist, a dietitian before you were an MD, uh, I, I don't know, you know, when you went to medical school, if they if they uh, taught about mass formation psychosis, maybe this is something that you, you've kind of learned along the way. But but is there anything you want to share with our listeners about that? Well, there's probably a lot of that occurring in medical school. Oh, boy. Yeah. So we can talk about that at another time. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let me... <laughs> Let me ask you. Every once in a while, I see um, I see this uh, abbreviation ADE come up in in the discussions, and they never say what it is. So I had to do an internet search: antibody dependent enhancement. And it seems to be pretty important because people who know what they're talking about, like Doctor Malone with Joe Rogan, they they refer to it. Um, what is it that our listeners need to know about? ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement. Oh, that's a complicated topic. But it seems that, you know, uh, Fauci and the likes have been working on this type of technology for quite some time to manipulate viruses to become more deadly instead of just uh, dying out, becoming less lethal, as most, you know, as viruses do. um, This is not the case. Oh, so this is kind of like the the gain-of-function research that Fauci kept on lying under oath in Congress that they didn't fund it when, indeed, they did fund it in in the Wuhan uh, virology lab. Yeah, and the reason he could lie about that is because they changed the definition of it. Oh. Oh. You You know how they play those tricks. They changed the definition of vaccines. They changed the definition of herd immunity. They changed the definition of gain of function. Wow. Wow. Um, I have no shame. No, they, they have no shame. But, you know, uh, Senator Rand Paul, also a medical doctor, uh, has accused Fauci over and over again of lying under oath and actually did a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. Oddly, that doesn't seem to have gone anywhere with uh, with uh, Joe Biden's DOJ. Not quite sure why. Um, but what is it going to take to, to turn this around and get people's attention? I mean, I, I see Fauci the other day said, well, you know, we say children are in hospital uh, with COVID, uh, uh, not necessarily because of COVID, though. And you're like, hmm. And then Dr. Leanna Wynn, who former head of Planned Parenthood and now medical advisor for CNN, said the other day on CNN, cloth masks don't work. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. And I'm wondering if the polling on this is so bad that, the Biden regime, the Democrats realize, okay, we're less than a year away from uh, midterm elections and people would like to kind of get back to normal life. And and I'm wondering if we're starting to see some signs that the messaging is changing. Well, regarding the mask, I've seen, well, no, the cloth masks don't work. So now we need N95s on everyone, including children. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I... I wouldn't think they would push that, but we are living in clown world now, so anything is possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anything is possible. So if somebody presented to you uh, with, with COVID, well, first of all, I'm sorry, let me back up a second. Uh, the health departments of all 50 states, the FDA, NIH, CDC, everybody was like, oh, man, just love these PCR tests. Um, disregarding the fact that Dr. Kerry Mullis, the guy who developed the PCR technique, uh, said over and over again, uh, this is not a test to determine if you are sick or have a virus. It's much too uh, specific and, and exacting. Uh, and they're all like, no, we're going to do it anyway. And then halfway through 2021, the CDC all of a sudden says, uh, yeah, when we get to the end of the year, uh, we're going to stop with the uh, PCR test. We're going to you know, uh, take away our um, uh, request for emergency use authorization of the FDA. So uh, you healthcare facilities, you need to kind of start looking around at uh, what other tests you want to want to use when we switch over from 2021 to 2022. And uh, a lot has been based on the PCR tests. Um, a, a, um, a, a An MD who is being conscientious uh, perhaps never would have used a PCR test. What 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 would be a test that you would use if if somebody presented with symptoms? If you want to know if this person really has COVID. First of all, I don't know. I don't understand why we're testing so much for something that doesn't change what we do. Okay. I never run tests if it's not going to change what I do. Okay. So you're going to treat a virus like you would treat any virus. Right. And I will say this. Ivermectin and HCQ work on other viruses besides COVID. Right. So that's why I wasn't hard-pressed on having my patients present me a positive test. First of all, I don't have much faith in them, but it never changed what I would do for the patient. Very good point. Very good point. So when you see people lining up for hours in the bitter cold in places like Vermont and New Hampshire and New York City or wherever who are asymptomatic. They don't have symptoms, but they're lining up for hours because they want to get tested anyway. I mean, that takes us back to mass formation psychosis, right? I mean, if you're going to tell me that I can have a disease, even though I never develop symptoms, and I better wear a mask to protect other people because I don't have any symptoms, never going to have any symptoms, but I can affect somebody else with this disease and make them deathly ill, then there would never be a reason to stop wearing a mask, whether it works or not, right? Right. So we have all these people testing whether or not they have symptoms or not. They they pop these positives, and it just keeps this case-demic going not a pandemic but a case demic it's a case demic what all you hear is our governor and other people talking about cases are rising cases are rising okay how many of those cases are symptomatic they don't want to talk about that important piece of information yeah they don't want to talk about that no they know exactly what they're doing it helps prolong this nightmare. Indeed. I um, And that's why I encourage people to not get tested. You're only you're only helping this situation. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think I may have had this myself. December 10th of 2019, about a month before I even heard about this, I felt like I had the flu. And the regular stuff, I guess, wasn't working. My wife sent me down to urgent care place in uh, Little Rock. I don't remember what they tested for, what they didn't test for, but, you know, we didn't know about COVID-19 yet. Um, But the nurse wanted to give me a steroid. And I don't know anything about that kind of stuff. I'm like, steroids, I don't think they're good for you. And she said, well, I'll tell you what. Um, You take vitamin C, right? Yeah, yeah, I take vitamin C. Why don't you go to the health food store and get some vitamin D, some zinc, whatever kind of elderberry stuff you can find, and, and just try that? I'm like, oh, okay. And within 24 hours, I was fine. Uh, so now you jumped on it early. Yeah. I doubt seriously that the same place would be allowed to tell somebody that now. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it certainly worked then. It certainly worked then. Um, well, Dr. Amy Beard, if you could impress upon people who are terrified of this, virus, which has over a 99% um, success rate, survival survival rate, sorry. If you could impress something on these people that are terrified, what what would it be? Just like you said, you have to look at the data. Do not just listen to the TV and the radio. They're, They're lying to you, okay? You have to look at the data. The data is very much in your favor so long as you're not, you know, 85 with multiple comorbidities. If you are still worried after looking at the data, what we, what people need to be doing instead of just always um, wanting to depend on vitamin D and, and, and pharmaceuticals, which are great. I mean, Ivermectin HCQ have helped me save, helped me help a lot of people, but you're asking a lot from a vitamin D supplement if you're still going through the McDonald's drive-through on a regular basis. Yeah. So you have got to start treating your body like God has commanded us to. Yes. And a lot of us are in these situations because we're not eating what we should. We're not getting outside. We're not getting sleep. We're stressing ourselves out and and our and our relationships with God might be lacking. It's these these very common sense lifestyle approaches can have huge impacts on your response to viral encounters because you will either encounter a virus and have no symptoms, you will have mild symptoms, or you may have significant symptoms. It really de- comes down to your immune health. Absolutely, absolutely. The power is in your hands. It's it's just amazing how many people don't know that, and I want to encourage people to come to the Global COVID Summit uh, tomorrow uh, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Apostolic Church and uh, on Landers Road in North Little Rock. If you're if you're in the Arkansas area, you can get tickets at globalcovidsummit.org. Uh, Dr. Amy Beard, plus a couple other doctors that I've already interviewed earlier this week and several other doctors will be there. And getting out life-saving information, life-saving information. And also, Doc, um, when you go to look for this summit, you need to put in the domain search bar, 
www.globalcovidsummit.org. If you just do a Google search for it, it's going to take you to the White House page. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have had trouble finding the website, and that's probably the reason. Yeah, we link to it on the DocWashburnShow.com website, too, uh, but globalcovidsummit.org with a www on the on the front don't don't just Correct. Don't, don't just google words global covid summit because google doesn't want you to find it yes the white house has made sure they have all of that wow 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 all right very good stuff uh dr amy beard thank you so much for coming on if people want to find out more about you and your practice what what is your website oh great yes it's um simple and amybeardmd.com. That is my website. But I'm also on Facebook, Instagram. I have a Telegram page, which is where we really get down and dirty. <laughs> yeah, to use the vernacular. And, and your, your office is in, in, in Hot Springs or Little Rock, or where, where are you? I run everything from my farm in Parent, Arkansas, because it's a telemedicine practice. Oh, Okay. Very good. That's God's country, Perrin, Arkansas. I got friends, friends <laughs> over there. Yeah, the other side of Ferndale. Very Love good. It. Well, uh, Dr. Amy Beard, uh, thank you. God bless you. Godspeed, and and we look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow for the Global COVID Summit in in North Little Rock. Thanks. I look forward to seeing you there, Doc. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. You too. Thank you. There you have it. That's an MD who's not scared to tell the truth. She's in the minority, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But we're a different kind of talk show. We try to get the truth out there to the best of our ability and let the chips fall where they may. And, uh, you know, all this goes back to Obamacare. 2009, Nancy Pelosi saying, well, we're just going to have to pass it so uh, you can find out what's in it. Okay, did you find out what was in it? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? I got some good news for you. There's a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, first thing you see, big bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Sound good so far? You want to get some of this action? You just click on the button that says schedule call now. Book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save a lot of money on your health care plan. Even better, unlike some of those Obamacare plans, 
with Art Wilborn, MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you get an insurance plan that won't force you to cover things like abortion that would deeply conflict with your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com is the website. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Book your free consultation at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. My buddy Art Wilborn, make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, now, uh, before we get to the coverage of the ongoing Supreme Court deliberations, the um, lawsuit to try to overturn Biden's OSHA mandate on vaccines, I want to go back to what Tucker Carlson said. Pardon me. I want to go back to what Ted Cruz said a couple of days ago. What Ted Cruz said a couple of days ago about what January 6th at the Capitol was. And this just outraged conservatives from sea to shining sea. Uh, We are approaching a solemn anniversary this week. uh, And it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this capital. No mention of the uh, brave, valiant police officer who murdered Ashley Babbitt. Ted Cruz called January 6th a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol. Now, God bless Tucker Carlson. To his credit, he had Ted Cruz on the show last night. And he just ripped him. To his face, he just ripped him. And couldn't happen to a nicer guy as far as I'm concerned. Now, we're going to play that for you with a caveat. There are a couple of things that got left out, and I'm not blaming Tucker on this because when you're in a situation like this, you only have so many minutes, and you can't do and say everything you want to say and do. And I know this from personal experience, not because I've ever done a television talk show on a regular basis, you know, unless you include the, the, the cable access, access thing I did in, in Austin 30 years ago, but that's, that doesn't count. He only had a limited amount of time with Ted Cruz. So you got to know what hill to die on. Okay. And so I'm not in any way denigrating Tucker Carlson's magnificent performance last night. But what I do want to do, what I do want to say after I play this for you, I 
got to bring up a couple of things that if Tucker had an unlimited amount of time, I'm sure he would have wanted to have dealt with. Is You get the distinction here? No knock on Tucker at all. You got to know what he'll die on. You only have so much time. But what he did was magnificent. It was brilliant. And then after we go through this, then I'll say, <laughs> I'll tell you what I wish he had the time for. Um, and then a little bit later, we'll we'll be getting on to the uh, the Supreme Court's the ongoing ridiculous assertions and questions in the uh, the discussion of the lawsuit against uh, Dementia Joe Biden's vaccine mandates through uh, through OSHA because uh, I mean some of these Supreme Court justices just said totally anti-factual, ridiculous things today. Anyway, first, Tucker Carlson and Ted Cruz, and what a wonderful job Tucker did with Lion Ted last night. Here we go. Senator Cruz was game enough to come on tonight, and we appreciate that. He joins us now. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. So I guess what I, I mean, there are a lot of dumb people in the Congress. You're not one of them. I think you're smarter than I am. Uh, and you never use words carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose, and I'm wondering why you did. How's that for a starter? You got to give it to Tucker Carlson. You're smarter than I am. You're always very careful with your words. You don't make mistakes like that. To call it a terror attack is a lie. You told that lie on purpose. Why? Now, Ted Cruz is going to try to weasel around. But Tucker Carlson is throwing down the gauntlet From the jump, I'm not letting you get away with this. What were you thinking about, you scoundrel? Basically, is what he just said. Uh, Ted Cruz, when he's in college, always won all the debates. You know what I'm saying? He's got a lot of experience debating people. And he always wins. Not last night. Not with Tucker Carlson, who kept on calling him on it. All right, here's the weasel. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And I don't buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't well, buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You're a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you used that accidentally. What more do you want? What more do you want? Tucker Carlson 
hit a grand slam last night. I don't buy that. I don't believe that. You did that on purpose. He's not letting Cruz up. God bless him for that. And don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what, what I meant to say. Oh. The junior senator from Texas is now backtracking. Yeah, let me uh, amend and clarify my remarks now that I'm in hot water. Oh. So this guy that uh, we hoped would go up to D.C. and shake things up and inject some moral rectitude, some clarity, some integrity into the proceedings of the United States Senate has now become a deep state creature just like the rest of them. This guy always butted heads with McConnell. Sounds like he's good buddies with them now. What I was referring to are, are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. And I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. All right, here's the thing that unfortunately Tucker didn't have time for last night, and I don't blame him. You only have so much time. What about the police officers who assaulted people? on January 6th at the Capitol. Because the video is out there. What about the January 6th political prisoners who are charged with assaulting a cop when it was a self-defense or they're trying to keep, trying to stop the cop from beating defenseless women? What about that? Ted Cruz knows better. But again, no knock on Tucker. He has to choose which hill to die on. And he's only got less than seven minutes. And he's up against a master filibusterer. I give him an A+. Plus. I'm just saying that there's some things that, given more time, I'm sure Tucker would have brought up. That's all. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times. I've drawn a distinction. I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what a lot of people have misunderstood. Well, that wait a I second. But even your yes. way. But hold on. What you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I could agree more. We've said that for years. But that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism? See? Tucker's got his A game going. January 6th. Like, why'd you use that word? You're playing into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants. And you know that. So why'd you do it? See? You're playing into the other side's mischaracterization of all Trump supporters as terrorists. Why'd you do it? I mean, I have the utmost respect for Tucker Carlson because he's not trying to go along to get along here. He's trying to speak truth to power and hold somebody accountable 
for, for the dastardly thing that he said on January 5th. Okay, let me answer you directly. The, the reason I use that word for a decade, I have referred to people who violently assault police officers as terrorists. I've done so over and over and over again. If you look at all the assaults we've seen across the country, I've called that terrorism over and over again. What about the police officers who assaulted the people? Ted Cruz is never going to mention that. Because Tucker's right. He knew what he was doing. This is not sloppy phrasing. He's not that stupid. That being said, Tucker, I agree with you. It was a mistake to say that yesterday. And the reason is what you just said, which is we've now had a year of Democrats in the media twisting words and trying to say that all of us are terrorists, trying to say you're a terrorist, I'm a terrorist. And so, look, I don't like people who, who assault cops. And, and, and I stand up and defend cops. And, and the reason I use that word is that's the word I've always used for people that violently attack cops. But in this context, I get why people were angry because we've had a year of the corrupt corporate media and Democrats claiming anyone who, who objected to, to the election fraud. And by the way, remember what was happening during wait, 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 wait. Can, can I ask, hold on, you work in this? I just, I guess I just don't believe you. See? That's it. You call him a liar because he is a liar. God bless Tucker Carlson. And I mean that with respect because I have such respect for your acuity and your precision. And I've seen it on display. I've covered you as a reporter. I know how you speak. And you have sat there for a year and watched people use language to distort the events of that day. Intentionally. Insurrection. Coup. Of course. Terrorism. Insurrection. Saying it's an insurrection is a political term. It's a lie. I've repeatedly denounced it. By the way, after this interview Tucker Carlson had with Ted Cruz last night, a lot of people went digging into Ted Cruz's Twitter timeline from January of last year. And he was calling it a terrorist attack a year ago out there on Twitter. It was not sloppy phrasing. Tucker's right. This guy's lying. And, and, and when it comes to, look, I was focusing on what I normally say. That, what you aired was a little 15-second snippet. What I normally say is violence is wrong, peaceful protest is right. If you engage in violence, you should be prosecuted. If you're speaking, you have a right to speak. I right. say that all the time. Well, I, I meant and I agree. That snippet. So who's Ray Epps, by the way, since you are a senator? like He and this other guy are clearly encouraging yeah. the crowd to commit crimes. Neither one has been arrested or charge what is that wow dude dude who is ray epps remember the guy on video the night before saying well i don't know if i should say this or not because i'm gonna get arrested the other guy says well don't say it then no 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 i'm gonna say it we got to go into the capitol tomorrow and people standing around him start yelling fed 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 because they know. If, he, if he's not an FBI agent, he certainly is a federal asset. They know. God bless Tucker Carlson. Right in Ted Cruz's face. Okay, who is Ray Epps and how come he hasn't been charged? There's plenty of video of him from the night before and even the day of leading the charge. Leading the charge. The FBI knows who he is. 
They know where he lives, and they won't touch him. Why? Why? So Tucker puts that right in Ted Cruz's face, and Ted Cruz is just awful here. Do you think? So I think that is a very good question. I don't know who Ray Epps is. I've- if you don't know who Ray Epps is, it's because you don't want to know who Ray Epps is. I haven't been to Washington, D.C. in decades. I haven't asked the FBI agent I know who Ray Epps is, but I know who he is. What do you mean you don't know who he is? A remarkable lack of intellectual curiosity, Senator Cruz, if you don't know who Ray Epps is. Please, give me a break. Seen that video multiple times. It's disturbing. He's clearly urging the crowd to violate the law. When you see the crowd start chanting, fed, 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 for him to appear on the FBI's most wanted list and come off, it certainly suggests he was working for the FBI. That's not conclusive, but that's the obvious implication. Oh. Well, in that case, maybe you do know who Ray Epps is. Why'd you say you don't know who he is if you got all this, huh? This is ridiculous, Ted Cruz. And the Attorney General and the Department of Justice won't answer the question. Tucker, I can tell you, I joined with a number of other senators trying to get the Biden DOJ to answer the question why so many January 6 prisoners are in solitary confinement, why they're be tr- being treated so much worse than the Antifa rioters and, and, and the people who committed firebombing and, and a year of riots across the country. And this Biden DOJ won't go after them. But let me also make a quick point, Tucker. Wait a minute. You joined with other senators. You want to know why the January 6th defendants are being treated so horribly. Now, let me translate that for my listeners. What that means is about six months ago, Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, wrote a letter to the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, bringing up the plight of the January 6th defendants who are being treated horribly in jail. Ted Cruz is one of three or four other senators who signed the letter six months ago. And that's it. That's it. Other than that, have you heard Ted Cruz mention anything about them other than signing a letter six months ago? Nope. Oh, I joined with other senators. I want to get to the bottom of this. Reminds me of Lindsey Graham. Is Ted Cruz channeling his inner Lindsey Graham? Now, Sean, we're going to get to the bottom of this, Sean. Wait and see. Wait and see. Come on, man. Give me a break. Remember, while while thousands of people were standing up to defend this country on January 6th, at that exact moment, I was standing on the Senate floor objecting to the election results, demanding that we, we, we impanel election commission to consider evidence of voter fraud. And I brought together 11 senators to join me in supporting getting to the bottom of that. So, of course, it would be ridiculous for me to be saying that the people standing up and protesting to follow the law were somehow terrorists. I was talking about people who commit violence against cops, and you and I both agree if you commit violence against cops, you should go to jail. No. No. That's not what you're talking about. That's not what you were talking about. Again, this is what you said, sir. 
Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. Really, did Lieutenant Michael Byrd demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery when he ambushed, murdered Ashley Babbitt? So we're talking about here, Ted Cruz. Come on, man. Nobody believes you. Yeah, but you're not a terrorist. You know, you're not. You're a guy, you're you know a guy who assaults a cop. Okay, so that's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a legal difference, as you well know, better than I do, since you were actually in the running for the Supreme Court, and there's a moral difference between a guy so that, Tucker, you know, the, the, the right? reason I use that word is for a decade I've used that word for people that violently assault cops. I use that word all in 2020 for the Antifa and BLM terrorists that assaulted cops and firebomb police cars. But I agree, it was a mistake to use the word yesterday. No, but see, Tucker doesn't agree. You're not agreeing with Tucker. Tucker says you're lying. Tucker says it wasn't a mistake. I say you're lying. I say it wasn't a mistake. You're not agreeing with him at all, sir. Because the Democrats and the corporate media have so politicized it, they're yeah. trying to paint everyone as a terrorist, and it's a exactly. lie. And by the way, I've spoken out vocally against your change you just had. They want to paint us as Nazis. Yes, oh, that, was scary. that is what they're trying to do. And I just, look, I'm the one leading the fight in the Senate against this garbage. And it's what Good. I have been doing, and it's what I'll continue doing. Well, I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you very much, Senator Texas of Texas. Thanks. But still don't believe you. Still don't believe you. You're lying. We both know you're lying. You know I know you're lying. Don't believe you. Pitiful. Pitiful. Outrageous. I mean... He's supposed to be um, one of the good guys. One of, one of the comments here on the uh, on the Podbean app. Cartoon Steve says, Lion Ted sounded like he was in CYA mood. Pardon me, in CYA mode after Attorney General Merrick Garland's threatening speech. I think I think that's exactly CYA mode. Exactly. Merrick Garland hinted yesterday in his big speech that they might actually indict members of Congress. They're not going to indict the FBI agents or assets who were behind making January 6th at the Capitol violent. They want to indict political opponents of the current regime. And that's what's up. That's what's going on. Yeah, I just, uh, I was a huge Ted Cruz fan, 2015-2016. He was my guy. I certainly regret that if I'd known then what I know now. Oh, well. But you, uh, you, you can't go back and undo history, can you? You can't. 
So at, at this point in in the program, I think it's uh, it's definitely time. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day brought to you by Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV. You want online. Have it delivered to your front door by RedRiverYourWay.com. Today's tweet of the day is from the great Sean Davis, co-founder of Federalist. And he says, there's more evidence that the feds orchestrated my insurrection than there is that Trump orchestrated it. You know, my buddy Julie Kelly has a new book out, January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. Yep. Yep. So that's the tweet of the day. Sean Davis from the Federalist. There's more ed- evidence that the feds orchestrated my insurrection than there is that Trump orchestrated it. That's what's up. And you know that's right. You know that's right. Okay. Now... We need to look at what's going on with the uh, Supreme Court deliberations today. There's a lawsuit there's a lawsuit the Solicitor General of the State of Ohio is in the Supreme Court today along with the representative of the Biden administration. Ohio is suing. Ohio is suing to uh, to get rid of uh, dementia Joe Biden's OSHA vaccine mandate. Okay. And some of the things that some of the uh, liberal Supreme Court justices are saying are just remarkable. Shanna Bream over Fox News, great reporter over there, reporting in. Justice Sotomayor says over 100,000 children are in serious condition, many on ventilators. That's just an absolute lie. That's just an absolute lie. It's just ridiculous. 
Let me give you some of the uh, other things she's uh, reporting on here. Supreme Court arguments on OSHA mandate already a tad te- feisty. Shannon Bream of Fox says, Justice Kagan says getting vaccinated is the best way to stop the spread. Justice Breyer says hospitals are full to the max. Justice Sotomayor says it's not a vaccine mandate. It's a mask mandate. What? Because the OSHA regulation allows masking and test option for the unvaccinated. Justice Sotomayor says Omicron is as deadly as Delta. Omicron is like a mild cold. Again, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, the self-described wise Latina, says over 100,000 children are in serious condition, many of them on ventilators. That's not true. That's just flat not true. Now, did she make it up herself, or did one of her clerks say, I bet we could get her to say this? I don't know, man. Doesn't much matter, does it? A couple of minutes here of Shannon Bream over at Fox. First, though, Fox Chief Legal Correspondent Shannon Bream. Shannon, a big day. It is a big day. And Harris, we are in the thick of these arguments right now. It is already clear to us they're going to go well beyond the two hours that the court has allotted for them. It is also very clear that the left-leaning justices, the left wing of the court, seems very unpersuadable, at least when it comes to this first mandate. This is the workplace mandate for employers with 100 or more employees. Here's a bit of what Justice Kagan said moments ago. More and more people are getting sick every day. I don't mean to be dramatic here. I'm just sort of stating facts. And this is the policy that is um, most geared to stopping all this. Uh, There's nothing else that will perform that function better than incentivizing people strongly to vaccinate themselves. So she says getting people vaccinated is the best way to stop the spread of the virus. Justice Breyer seemed incredulous that anyone would actually come to the court and argue that this mandate should be stayed. And Justice Sotomayor says it's not a vaccine mandate at all because it provides a testing and masking alternative for the unvaccinated. She's calling it a mask mandate. Okay, so Scott Keller, the attorney who argued first for the businesses challenging the mandate, says there will be a negative impact immediately on the U.S. economy if the regulation goes into effect because it's estimated that one to three percent of the workforce would quit. He also argues that the Department of Labor is going far beyond the powers Congress delegated to it for the specific task of regulating safety in the workplace. Okay, by the way, this COVID issue hitting home for the court today, one of the attorneys, he may have just wrapped up, he's been in the midst of his argument this morning, he tested positive, and so he's having to make his arguments by phone. Now, all of the justices are vaccinated. We're told they are all boosted. Justice Sotomayor elected not to go into the courtroom today. She is conducting her arguments also by phone from her office. She's been the one a justice who's been wearing her mask throughout. She does have an underlying condition. Uh, she is a diabetic, so she's been essentially very, very careful through this whole thing. But the arguments continue. And like I said, we thought they'd wrap around noon. At least, at least that's what they were scheduled for. Harris is probably going to be closer to one or two at this point. We'll keep on it. Justice Sotomayor is not in the room with the other justices. She's doing her deliberations on a Zoom call, wearing a mask by herself in her own office. Bless her heart. After that, Shannon Bream reporting Justice Gorsuch 
says there are other potentially deadly illnesses like the flu and asks why OSHA hasn't mandated that vaccine, the flu vaccine, or others before. Solicitor General for the Biden administration says COVID-19 is a unique pandemic and much more dangerous. Justice Gorsuch cites polio. In other words, obviously, COVID-19 is not unique. It's not more dangerous than polio was. 99.98% success uh, survival rate on COVID-19. And uh, treating it like the Black Plague in Europe from all those many years ago. And they got a lot of people all hyped up. Mass formation psychosis. The Black Plague, otherwise known as the Black Death, the Pestilence, the Great Mortality, was a bubonic plague occurring in Afro-Eurasia, so Africa, Europe, and part of Asia. 1346 to 1353, the most fatal pandemic recorded in human history, causing the death of somewhere from 75 to 200 million people in Europe, Western Asia, and North Africa. They're acting that like that. this is what we're up against, and it's not true. Is not true. Anyway, Shannon Breen reporting. Justice Alito asks whether the mask and test option for employers is workable, given the run on available tests at the moment. And then a little less than an hour ago, Supreme Court moved to arguments for a second case whether the federal government can mandate vaccination for employees, contractors, volunteers at facilities that receive Medicare and Medicaid funding. So, let me get to some of the other reports on what the uh, Supreme Court did here today. Because there's a lot of nutty stuff going on. And I'm thankful to a Twitter profile called Election Wizard that is following a lot of the comments made out there in the Supreme Court today. And I'm trying to get back to the uh, the start here because this is uh, what what this guy does is he quote tweets his last tweet as opposed to just doing a thread, and it's remarkable. <laughs> I can't believe how far back I'm going on these. Uh... Oh, Justice Thomas. 
discussing the Necessary and Proper Clause. Now, that's from the U.S. Constitution, the Necessary and Proper Clause. Um, gives Congress power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying in, into execution other federal powers. So it's from uh, Article One, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution. And I think Justice Thomas's point here is that Congress is being – Biden with the OSHA rules is trying to do an end run around Congress. You know, Congress makes the laws. The executive branch is not supposed to make the laws. Anyway, Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas is well known for going many years without asking questions during Supreme Court arguments. He'll go years without asking one question. Well, today he's asking questions. And I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I didn't mean days. I didn't mean he goes weeks or months without asking questions. He's gone years without asking questions. Today he's asking questions. Justice Thomas asked the first question, how do we decide when there is a temporary emergency? What are the factors? Then he started discussing the necessary and proper clause. See, that's constitutional law, and that's kind of the kind of thing that the liberals on Supreme Court, Kagan, Sotomayor, Breyer, Roberts, they don't care about that. Justice Kagan said there's nothing that will better stop COVID than by strongly incentivizing people to get vaccinated. The second best thing is wearing masks. She's in la-la land. Justice Roberts asks, is OSHA acting in an effective way to address the problem? What about are they acting in a constitutional way? See, he doesn't care about that. Justice Stephen Breyer says, are you really asking us to issue a stay and prevent this mandate from going into effect? The hospitals are full. Lie. The number of people getting getting infected is higher than when OSHA handed down its rule. Oh, you mean positive tests? How many are false positives, you knucklehead? Justice Breyer says, I find it unbelievable that you're asking us to block the mandate from going into effect. Sounds like you got your mind made up, don't want to be bothered with the facts. It's outrageous. Justice Sotomayor says, Workers being forced to wear masks in the workplace is no different than forcing workers to get vaccinated. Um, well, that's ridiculous on its face. You might be able to recover from wearing a mask. But once that stuff's in your bloodstream, there's no going back. Justice Sotomayor says this is not a vaccine mandate. She also says, Why is a human not like a machine, which OSHA can regulate, if the human is spewing virus? (sighs) You know, I don't know if the Constitution says much about machines. But it certainly recognizes the God-given rights of human beings. 
And you know, it's uh, it's scary to think that there are Republicans still in the United States Senate who voted to put Sonia Sotomayor on the Supreme Court regardless of what damage she might do because, oh well, elections have consequences, so let's let the Democrats put whatever kind of dangerous radical they want to on the U.S. Supreme Court and have fun with that. It's outrageous. Justice Kagan says, why in the world should courts decide this issue? If people don't like the mandate, they can vote for something different. Oh, okay. So, in the meantime, you either uh, get the jab or lose your job. In the meantime, you either take the chance of myocarditis, blood clots, whatever, or lose the job. And then 2024, maybe you vote for something else and they steal the election again. Really? Really? Justice Amy Coney Barrett says, would you contest this mandate if it was more targeted? Are you saying the scope of this mandate is too broad? Mr. Keller answers, answers yes, that's correct. And then Mr. Flowers takes over the argument against the vaccine mandate. Justice Kagan says, I would say the workplace risk from COVID is the least controllable risk of COVID that any person has. Really? It's because more people tend to catch the COVID when they're in lockdown at home, but, you know, don't let the facts bother you. Mr. Flowers responds to Justice Breyer, whether this is good politics is irrelevant. Yeah, we're supposed to be looking at the Constitution, the law here. Election Wizard says, the most telling thing about the left-wing justices' fear-based arguments and questions is that most of them have been completely devoid of the law and Constitution. That's exactly what I've been trying to say. Then Justice Thomas now brings up the argument that the COVID vaccines may be ineffective. May be ineffective. Yeah, maybe, since uh, this is a uh, pandemic of the vaccinated. More vaccinated people are getting COVID than unvaccinated. So one of the upshots here from today's questioning, is very clear. Justices Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor would apparently place no limits whatsoever on the power of the federal government. Well, they're progressives. Justice Alito says, the question before us is whether there is a grave danger for unvaccinated workers. Protection for vaccinated workers is not the basis for OSHA's rule, right? Mr. Flower says, yes. Justice Kagan says, what is the risk unvaccinated workers pose to others? 
Mr. Flower says OSHA's own data says it's unclear to what extent, if any, the vaccines reduce transmission. Boom! Justice Gorsuch says, as applied here, the major questions doctrine isn't about judges regulating public health. It's about judges determining the scope of Congress's Commerce Clause power. And that is an excellent point. Excellent point by Justice Gorsuch. Now, let me let me uh, break that down for you. The Commerce Clause, isn't that the, uh, the Tenth Amendment? No, sorry. Commerce Clause refers to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution, which gives Congress the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. Congress has often used the Commerce Clause to justify exercising legislative power over the activities of states and their citizens, leading to significant and ongoing controversy regarding the balance of power between the federal government and the states. Well, I was close. The Tenth Amendment says that Congress doesn't have any right to do anything that the Constitution doesn't specifically spell out, and those powers are left to the states and the uh, and the citizens. Easy to get that confused. The Commerce Clause has historically been viewed as both a grant of congressional authority and, and as a restriction to the regulatory authority of the states. All right, hat tip to the Legal Information Institute over at Cornell for that. Appreciate that. Now, so Justice Gorsuch says, as applied here, the major questions doctrine isn't about judges regulating public health. It's about judges determining the scope of Congress's commerce clause power. Okay, so, of course, we've got to look up the major questions doctrine. All right. The major questions doctrine, let's take a look. And they go specifically to something called the limits on the Chevron deference. In the last few decades, the Supreme Court has placed another limitation on the Chevron doctrine's scope. The major questions doctrine holds that courts should not defer to agency statutory interpretations that concern questions of vast economic or political significance. Supreme Court justifies limitation with a non-delegation doctrine. Oh, this is going to get deep in the weeds. According to the U.S. Supreme Court, courts are supposed to interpret major legal questions, not administrative bureaucrats. Some legal scholars argue that this reading of the non-delegation doctrine mistakenly takes political decisions out of the hands of agency officials appointed by elected leaders and puts the decisions in the hands of courts that lack political accountability. Yeah, because, you know, they're on the Supreme Court for life. You can't vote them out. They argue the major questions doctrine lets judges view statutes de novo, in other words, without deferring to agency interpretations, contradicting the Chevron principles. The major questions doctrine runs counter to the idea that important political decisions should be resolved by Congress. And important political decisions should be resolved by Congress. No question about it. So, 
Gorsuch is saying that regardless of all that, this case today is about judges determining the scope of Congress's Commerce Clause power. But I'm confused because Congress really hasn't entered into this. This is about the executive branch. This is about Biden trying to do this unconstitutional stuff. Anyway, next up, Solicitor General of the United States, Elizabeth Prelegar. I hope I mispronounced her name. So, U.S. Solicitor General, appointed by Biden, argues OSHA's vaccine mandate is commonplace and the most effective way to control the spread of COVID. Now, that's a lie because a lot of vaccinated people are getting it. Justice Thomas says, would your argument be the same for any contagious disease brought into the workplace? Surgeon General of the U.S. Prelegar says yes, if it was contagious enough. Chief Justice Roberts says the federal mandates have been referred to as a workaround. He asks, what are you trying to work around? (laughs) That's an excellent point by Roberts. What is OSHA trying to work around? Roberts seems to suggest that Congress, rather than the agencies, should address the problem. Well, exactly. So maybe he will vote the right way. Alito says, does the federal government object to us taking a few days, you know, issuing an administrative stay, to consider this issue before people start losing their jobs? Solicitor General Prelegard dodges the question. Alito says it's a simple question. You can say no. You can say you don't object to us taking a few days to consider the issue before people start losing their jobs. Justice Breyer has now corrected himself. Previously, he erroneously stated that there were 750 million positive cases yesterday in the United States, which would be tough because we don't have 750 million people in the United States. So, does Breyer have that same dementia thing that Biden does? Chief Justice Roberts says 50 years ago, Congress enacted a general law. I don't think it had COVID in mind at the time. The federal government has never mandated vaccines on private employers or employees before. Wait! So Roberts might do the right thing? So it might be six to three against Biden and OSHA? Man, wouldn't that be something? Justice Thomas saying, is a vaccine the only way to treat COVID? Hello! Now, I tell you what, I heard about this stuff called uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Just saying. Justice Alito suggests OSHA is trying to squeeze an elephant into a mouse hole. I think I saw that in a Tom and Jerry cartoon one time. I'm sorry. I get distracted there for a second, but I digress. Justice Alito suggests OSHA is trying to squeeze an elephant into a mouse hole by trying to use a general law passed many years ago as a legal basis for this vaccine mandate. Okay? Alito says these vaccines have benefits and risks, and some people who take these vaccines will face adverse risks, right? 
Government attorney answers, yes. Justice Alito says, I'm making the point there is a risk, some risk with the vaccines. And that way, this is not like OSHA mandating a hard hat, right? Well, no, wait a minute. Because Sotomayor, the wise Latina, said there's no difference, right? So, <laughs> Surgeon General Prelegar was unprepared for Alito's question, saying that OSHA mandating a vaccine where there are some risks is not the same as OSHA mandating a hard hat. She was unprepared. It was a good point. I like that. Justice Gorsuch says Congress has had a year to act on the vaccine mandates, but yet Congress hasn't acted. So now the federal government is going agency to agency to get a workaround. Why under the Constitution should the people's representatives not resolve the vaccine mandate issue? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. But there's more. There's more. This is remarkable. Ron Coleman, by the way, says listening, and he's an attorney, listening to oral arguments in these two cases Is it possible to question whether we maybe have too much government and especially too much federal government managing too much stuff? The government just referred to page 60,000, 60,000 something. Earlier, government referred to a rule designated by a subparagraph with a letter X in it, which Alito later caught on, caught him on as only being a definition. Too much everything. Too much everything. The great Murray Rothbard said, after listening to these oral arguments, I think it's possible, necessary, to question whether we should have a government at all. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, Jonathan Turley says, Keller in rebuttal had a strong response to Justice Sotomayor on why they need to stay now. He noted the plans for businesses are due Monday and to comply with the vaccine requirement of February, the shots would need to start now. That was a strong finish for the OSHA side. Now onto the healthcare worker side. We'll see. But bless his heart. Jonathan Turley, he tries to do, do and say some good things, but um, he's a lib, you know. So the Constitution is not going to be front and center his biggest concern here. The Greg, Greg, Greg Price over Twitter, senior digital strategist over at X Strategies LLC, says, Justice Sotomayor during... The oral arguments claimed COVID deaths are an all-time high, claimed that Omicron has been deadlier than Delta. What a lie. Claimed 100,000 children hospitalized with COVID, said OSHA's regulatory authority is a federal police power. Really, where did that come from? Justice Sotomayor also claimed hospitals are nearing capacity. She also asked, why is a human spewing a virus, not like a machine spewing sparks? 
incredible performance. Incredible performance. Man, oh man. I, uh, I don't see how these people in the Supreme Court get along as well as they do because they're, they're coming from such different worlds. Different worlds. More from Election Wizard here. Gorsuch asks why OSHA did not mandate the flu vaccine since the flu kills tens of thousands of people every year. Justice Barrett says, when does the emergency end? How do we tell? And the Solicitor General for the Biden regime says, well, it depends. Justice Amy Coney Barrett says, two years from now? Think maybe the emergency will be over two years from now? Solicitor General says, perhaps, but hopefully not. Wow. Then rebuttal time, Mr. Keller gets up to refute the government's arguments. By the way, the Liberty Justice Center says the OSHA mandate is a federal vaccine mandate. It's issued by the federal government. The goal is to get workers to get vaccinated. The method is burdening workers with masking and weekly testing until they get vaccinated or quit, whichever comes first. That's what's up. So they wrapped up the arguments on the OSHA mandate about an hour and a half ago. And then the next thing the Supreme Court attacked is arguments over the CMS mandate. And uh, Justice Thomas says, the law you point to, has it been used to mandate vaccines in the past? And the government, federal government lawyer says, no, but this, but no, no, but this is a unique situation. Okay, well, you know, I've heard it said that hard cases make bad law. I'm sorry. Justice Alito notes many of the provisions cited by the CMS are actually definitional provisions as opposed to sections that afford CMS authority. Justice Alito asks, is there anything the secretary could not do with such broad power? Oh, good grief. What a great question. What a great question. Now, CMS just dawned on me. There might be people who don't know what it stands for. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Okay. Uh, the election wizard guy on Twitter says it's worth noting a spokeswoman for the Supreme Court recently said all nine justices are not only fully vaxxed but fully bo- boosted. Yikes. I hope they make it. Justice Gorsuch says, unlike the law OSHA cites, the statute 
governing the CMS mandate contains an express limitation. CMS cannot use money in a way that controls the tenure or staffing of employees. Doesn't this mandate control tenure and staffing? Mr. Fletcher for the government responds by saying he doesn't believe Gorsuch's reading of the statute is the most natural reading. Mr. Fletcher argues CMS has adopted the mandate in part because the vaccines are uniquely effective. What a lie! What a lie! What a lie! They're not effective. Federal government concluded his argument in favor of the CMS mandate. Jesus Osit now steps up for Missouri in arguing to preserve the injunctions against the CMS mandate. So, Attorney Osit, the Missouri Deputy Solicitor General, argues the unlawful CMS mandate infringes on the rights of the states. By the way, a guy named Mike Cernovich out there on Twitter says, Democrats have the House, the Senate, and the White House. So why don't they just vote on a vaccine mandate? Because they know it wouldn't pass. Everybody knows that. Janine Yoon, civil liberties attorney, says Justice Kagan, just 43 minutes ago in questioning attorney arguing against the CMS mandate, again insists that the vaccines stop the transmission. This lack of knowledge as to basic facts about the vaccines and COVID is concerning because nothing could be further from the truth. All right, back to election wizards play-by-play here. Justices Kagan and Breyer are piling on Jesus Osit, Deputy Solicitor General of Missouri. Breyer says every minute that that the vaccine mandates are not in effect, thousands of people are getting COVID. Justice Breyer mentions the nursing home deaths in New York. He seems to suggest the vaccine mandate is needed to protect old folks. Missouri Deputy Solicitor General Jesus Osit says the issue belongs to the states. The health of rural America will be harmed by the CMS mandate. It will lead to rural hospitals and clinics being closed and short-staffed. HHS did not listen to the concern of rural America when it implemented the CMS mandate. Kavanaugh says, this is an odd situation because the people subject to the CMS mandate, the hospitals are not complaining about the mandate. They apparently approve of it. What do we make of that? Deputy Solicitor General Missouri, Jesus Osit says, the big providers, sure, but we speak on behalf of the small rural clinics. Justice Roberts says, do you agree with the district court which said COVID no longer poses the threat that it once did. Louisiana Solicitor General Elizabeth Murrell says the situation ebbs and flows. Um, again, Mike Cernovich out there on Twitter says, Supreme Court of the United States is the last remaining institution with mystique. Today was a bad day, he says, for the court's legitimacy, with multiple justices spreading disinformation about children on ventilators and daily cases exceeding the total U.S. population. Righto. Righto. 
Solicitor General of Louisiana Mural responding to Justice Breyer, it's either get vaccinated or lose your job. That's what this rule does. It is an extraordinary use of federal power. Solicitor General Mural responds to Justice Kagan about whether the vaccine mandate is different than bed height regulations in hospitals. Forcing a person to submit to medical treatment has never been mandated by the federal government. Oh, I'm sorry, correction. Uh, The question was from Sotomayor, not Kagan. Sotomayor says, but we've never seen anything like COVID. Solicitor General Mural says, that doesn't justify this use of federal power. I would have said, yes, we have. We've seen a lot worse. Okay, so that's it. Both mandates cases, uh, CMS and OSHA, are now submitted to the court as of about 10 minutes ago. Here's another quote from Ron Coleman. Providers and workers overwhelmingly support the vaccine, the vaccination requirement, so we should have the power to force them to get vaccinated. <laughs> Election wizard says then Congress should easily be able to pass a mandate on providers. But you know they can't. You know they can't. The great Katie Pavlich has a new article over at townhall.com. Supreme Court justices spew shocking misinformation during oral arguments on Biden's vaccine mandates. Wow. So uh, John Miltimore, managing editor over at uh, FEE Online. This is uh, the Foundation for Economic Education. John Miltimore says, Listening to Justice Sotomayor this morning reminded me of a college, reminded me me of college when didn't want to study for a final. At the last minute, I'd invariably squish as many things into my brain as possible, and the result was a lot of incoherent information that was embarrassingly wrong. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much, she didn't have a clue, man. She doesn't have a clue. Oh, by the way, going back to Ted Cruz for just a minute, did did he say anything about um, the disruption of Congress during the Kavanaugh hearings? Was that a terrorist attack too? I'm just checking for like uh, uh, 200 million friends of mine. Just Just wondering about that. Was that a terrorist attack? Look, um, just want to remind you tomorrow, for my Arkansas listeners, Global COVID Summit at uh, Donnie Copeland's church in North Little Rock, Apostolic Church on Landers Road, Global COVID Summit from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This is Dr. Robert Malone's organization, Global COVID Summit. Uh, you may have seen Dr. Malone's interview with Joe Rogan on his recent podcast. These are a lot of the people working with Dr. Malone are going to be there. I've interviewed three of them this week. I'm planning on being there. My wife's planning on being there. A lot of friends of mine plan on being there. We'd love to see you. Globalcovidsummit.org is where you get your tickets. Tickets only $30 each, and you're going to get a lot of valuable information tomorrow. 
Now, we talk a lot about health care on the Doc Washburn Show. And I'd like to remind you from time to time of the best-kept secret in American health care. And that is getting your atlas adjusted. Now, if you're brand new to the Doc Washburn Show, you're like, well, what's, what's that all about? Well, let me explain it to you because it is the best-kept secret in American health care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on your spinal column, the top bone of your spinal column, these atlas or the C1. Now, since your skull weighs 8 to 15 pounds, your atlas only weighs 2 ounces. It's really easy for the atlas to get out of alignment. If it does get out of alignment, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your circulatory system, your digestive system, yes, even your reproductive system. It can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, you name it. All kinds of physical maladies are the result of your spinal column being kinked up and your central nervous system not having the ability to send impulses to the rest of your body as God intended to do. So if you're feeling kind of out of whack, I got a suggestion for you. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you naturally... Tilt your head to one side or the other because that's how you feel most comfortable instead of sitting up straight or standing up straight? You're answering yes to any of those questions. You probably need to get your atlas adjusted. Now, if you're in central Arkansas, it's real easy. Do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, because we have people listening all over the country, it, it, it's a little it's not quite that easy. But go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on find a doctor to see if you can find one close to, to where you live. Okay? And you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. All right. Um, fascinating article from the great Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze that dropped this morning entitled, Who Are Actually the Super Spreaders? He says... Um, a headline recently from the Babylon Bee, the satire website, says businesses now requiring positive COVID test as proof of vaccination. Ah! <laughs> hey, if you, you you show me you tested positive for COVID, I'm, I'm pretty sure you got vaccinated. Satire becoming the new reality. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then this data showing negative efficacy of the vaccine shots in nearly every age group 
is worth a million words. And what is he linked to? He links to a tweet with a chart on UK COVID infection rates. They're among the fully vaccinated down that they're now higher and rising faster than among the unvaccinated in all adult cohorts. Vaccinated and unvaccinated of all ages continue to get infected and spread. And in most age groups, the vaccinated much more so rendering vaccine passports and mandates pointless. Pointless. So Daniel Harwitz continues, the UK has done the world a service by being the only country to put out granular and continuous weekly data, breaking down infection rates by vaccination status and by age cohort. For quite some time, the UK data has been showing negative efficacy in all but the youngest age group. This means the infection rates per capita have been higher among the vaccinated. This is true with Delta. But with Omicron, the vaccines have blown the infection rates off the charts. Yesterday, the UK Health Security Agency published its first COVID-19 vaccine surveillance report of 2022, which collates infection rate data for the final weeks of 2021. These are not raw numbers, but case rates per 100,000 divided by age group and vaccination status. The results are simply devastating to the cause of the vaccine altogether, much less support for mandating it. So there you go. There you go. That's Daniel Horowitz over the blaze. It's the vaccinated that are getting it more. Seriously. Seriously. Now, let me go back to something unrelated real quick because we're about at the two-hour mark of the live stream today. And at some point, usually about five or six minutes, five or six minutes after uh, the two-hour point, uh, Podbean cuts off the the live stream, but everything winds up on uh, on the podcast later if we go over. Let me just look at a couple of comments real quick here on the Podbean app. Why do I get the feeling this is going to be forced on us like Obamacare? I don't have great confidence that this will be blocked by the Supreme Court. Another one says if they cared, they wouldn't have COVID-positive health care workers forced to take care of patients. It's all about the vaccinated badge of hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. Now i got to deal with something uh, unrelated here for a second. Andy Nyo is an independent journalist who covers a lot of Antifa stuff. He says, after after what happened on January 6th, Democrats reversed their anti-police message to express support for officers. A few months later, a black nationalist Muslim convert rammed the Capitol in a car attack, killing an officer and injuring another. The incident was quickly ignored. A guy named Noah Green, follower of Farrakhan. He says, my threat at the time on Noah Green, the black nationalist who carried out a deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol last year. So here, here it is. See, they don't talk about this. The guy who actually got killed. 
the, the Capitol Hill police officer who was actually killed. Instead, they lie and say five cops were killed on January 6, 2021, which none of them were. Exclusive. The man who ran the car in the Capitol Police killing one has been identified as Noah Green. Green was armed with a large blade when he was shot dead. He identified as a follower of the Black Nationalist Nation of Islam movement. FBI immediately deleted his profile off social media. Andy Ngo said, I only, I only had seconds to look at Noah Green's Facebook page before it was del- deleted. He was living in Norfolk, Virginia. From what I saw, many of his posts were of a religious Islamic nature. He appeared to be a deeply devout follower of the Nation of Islam and went by the name Noah X. He posts another photo of the deceased U.S. Capitol attacker, 25-year-old Noah Green, also known as Noah X, that he managed to save before Facebook deleted his entire profile. Noah Ricardo Green appeared to have had a good life. He graduated from Christopher Newport University in 2020, played football there. In one of his last Instagram posts before his deadly attack, he wrote, the U.S. government is the number one enemy of black people. If only he knew. No, the number one enemy of black people is Planned Parenthood. But Anyway. Anyway. A lot going on today. I hope to see you if you're anywhere near Arkansas at the Global COVID Summit tomorrow at the Apostolic Church on Landers Road in North Little Rock. Get your tickets at Global COVID summit.org. You've been listening to episode 62 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof of a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. Well, that's the way it is. Friday, January 7th, 2022.